And we, uh, we, we wrapped up our, our series storyline. Uh, we've been going through a whole year of the Bible and looking at all these stories that point us to Jesus. Story after story after story. And they all lead up to, to, to Jesus coming to live the life that we can't live and die the death that we deserve. And, and all these stories should also cause us to, to look forward to the day that Jesus will come back and uh, make all things new and all things right. And so this morning, as, it, uh, as we kick off Thanksgiving week and we just wanna fill our hearts with gratitude and thankfulness, it, it all begins with the cross of Jesus. It all begins with his life and his death and his resurrection because really the truth is, if, if Jesus had, had done nothing else for us in our lives other than willingly lay down, lay down his life to pay for our sin debt and provide a way that you and I can have a right relationship with our heavenly father, that would be far more than enough for you and I, our hearts to be overwhelmed with gratitude. But God does so much more for us. But tonight, today, we just want to come back to the, to the very first thing. In fact, the main thing that causes our hearts to, to well up with gratitude. Because everything after this is just a, a, an abundance of God. And so we're going to take communion. And I know it's early on in our, in our service, but we have other things planned that, that this is going to be the catalyst for that. So uh, if you're serving communion, if you'll go ahead and come and uh, prepare uh, to serve us. Um, and what uh, we call it the table of mercy here. And what it is, it's for us to remember the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, to remember uh, what he did for us. And uh, we don't have church membership here, so it really doesn't matter if you're a member here, if today's your first time here, or hundredth time here. Um, but the table of mercy is open to anyone who would say, I'm a child of God, not based on my actions, not based on my good deeds, not based on my religious activity, but I'm a child of God based on my faith in Jesus and Jesus alone. And if you can say yes to that, then the table is open for you. But if you are here today and you say, I don't know how I, where, I, where I fall in line with that. I don't know if I'm there or not, or I know I'm not there or not. And the Bible says that it'd be much better for you not to, take the take, not to receive communion and use this time as an opportunity just to reflect uh, on who Jesus is to you. Maybe you have a question you want to pull me or somebody aside and say, hey, can we talk about this for a moment? But, uh, but what we're, what we're going to do is we're going to remember uh, what Jesus has done for us. And in Luke chapter 22, uh, Jesus has gathered with his, uh, with his disciples. He's about to go to the cross and they're celebrating Passover. It says, when the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table and he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. And after taking the cup, he gave thanks and he said, take this and divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread and he gave thanks and he broke it and he gave it to them saying that this is my body broken for you and do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after the supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. And so let's just use this moment to prepare our hearts for a whole week of reflection and thanksgiving and gratitude, but really for a life of thanksgiving and gratitude. 
But today, as you, in a moment, as you get up and you go to one of these stations, as you take a piece of bread, they're gonna, they're gonna remind you that the body, of bro- the body of Christ has been broken for you. And just think about that for a moment. And then you'll take a, a, a cup of juice that represents the blood of Christ and they're gonna, they're gonna remind you the blood of Christ has been poured out for you. And you can take that there and you can throw the cups away in these little blue trash cans around or you can take it back to your... You can take it back to your, uh, to your chair if you want to. Or This moment is for you just to reflect and to ask God, well, God, would you give me a heart of gratitude as we move into this week of Thanksgiving? Let me pray for us. Father, thank you so much for who you are and for what you've done for us. We pray in this moment that we would remember, we remember the life and the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And we pray these things in your name, Jesus. Amen. You come and receive communion.
thank you for the blood of Jesus Christ and how it cancels out our debt and we can have a right relationship with you. Father, would you just continue to fill our hearts with gratitude as we look to the cross, as we look to who you are and what you have done for us, as we look to your faithfulness. Father, would you just begin to, to, uh, to remind our hearts and our minds of what you've been for us this past year as we've gone through the different ups and different downs and joys and, and, uh, and sad moments. Remind us of the consistency of your presence and who you've been. We pray these things in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, and Thanksgiving week, it is, it is my favorite week out of the whole year. And, and I think... Uh, man, it's because, I, I mean, I love Thanksgiving. It's my favorite holiday, but it's kind of the, the official start of the holidays, okay? Uh, 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 unless you're one of those people who jumped the gun this year and threw up your Christmas stuff early. Anybody? Anybody already have your Christmas tree up? Okay, great. Uh, any, any, hol- any, any holiday purist, like you like, you don't, you don't get out a box of decorations. You don't put up a tree. You don't put a, anything up in the house. You don't even listen to a Christmas carol until at least Friday. Any of you guys, you're the real heroes, okay? You're the real heroes of the holidays. Um, I used to be like you, and, I, and I, I want to be like you again, but I have a daughter who loves Christmas, and, and so uh, our, our tree went up November 3rd, okay? Uh, I, I'm surprised that she didn't make us put us up like at the end of October, or, but um, anyway, so thank you. You guys keep holding strong, okay? Uh, and I will vicariously live my life through you, but on the other side, I don't have to do any work this week. It's already up, so there's that. Um, but, uh, but I love Thanksgiving and because I mean, it's a time, it's a week that, uh, that we can pause for a moment and reflect. It's a time that we can think about this past year and everything that we've gone through and uh, the people who have come into our lives and, uh, and, and, and you know, think about the, the good times and the bad times, the joyous times and the difficult times and, and to remember who God has been to us all through that. And this morning, we're going to be in the Old Testament book of 1 Samuel. So if you brought your Bibles and you want to turn to their table of contents and find uh, the book of 1 Samuel, we're going to be in chapter 7 this morning. Um, But uh, if you didn't bring your Bibles, we'll throw it up on the screen for you. I'm going to be brief this morning. Um, But but a little background to our story this morning. Uh, Samuel was a prophet, okay, uh, of Israel. And a prophet was a person that that God had appointed and God would speak to the prophet and then the prophet would then speak to the people of Israel and tell them what God had said. And so um, the, the people of Israel, they had uh, early in Samuel's days and his, uh, as being a prophet, they, they lost the Ark of the Covenant to the Philistines in war, okay? And the Ark of the Covenant was this golden box that, uh, that, they, that the people of Israel would keep uh, the Ten Commandments, in, okay? And uh, there, you couldn't even touch the Ark of the Covenant. Otherwise, you would, you would fall over dead. It was that holy 
and that pure. Uh, and so they would carry it on poles, not to, you know, not to touch it. And so they had lost the Ark of the Covenant, which in a lot of ways was their identity, and they, that they had lost their identity. And so, but after seven months, the Philistines brings, they bring the Ark of the Covenant back to the Israelites, okay? And the reason why they do that is because for seven months, they've been taking it from town to town to town. And anywhere they took it, people would either die or break out with all these tumors all over their bodies, or these open sores all over their bodies. And so, you know, the mayor of a town, they'd throw a parade. Oh, we got the Ark of the Covenant of the Israelites. And people would start dying and breaking out in tumors and sores. And they're like, hey, send that over to, you know, the next town. You know, let's get that thing out of here. And eventually they kind of realized what was going on. And they said, you know, hey, Israelites, thanks, but no thanks, okay? You can have your little Ark of the Covenant back. We don't want it, okay? And so, uh, so they finally get it back. Um, and even though they had lost the Ark of the Covenant, um, the people of Israel, they weren't really ready to, to turn their lives back over to God and fully repent. In fact, it would take, uh, it took 20 years for the people to truly humble themselves and to completely come to an end of themselves and repent to God. But that would only you know, last for about that long. But Samuel, they, they get the Ark of the Covenant back and um, and he gathers all the people at this place called uh, Mizpah. And uh, he had all the people begin to fast and begin to pray. And that's where we join our story in verse six uh, of chapter seven. It says, and when they had assembled at Mizpah, they drew water and they poured it out before the Lord. And on that day they fasted and they confessed. So they confessed their sin. And now we have sinned against the Lord. And now Samuel was serving as the leader of Israel at Mizpah. Now, so the Philistines, now they got wind of that the Israelites were all gathering in one place. And so they thought, man, this is a great opportunity to, to really put a whooping on the Israelites. You know, we'll go in there and we'll just slaughter them and get rid of them once and for all. And Israel heard that the Philistines were coming and they start to panic, okay? And look at, look at what happens in verse seven. Said, and when the Philistines heard that Israel had assembled at Mizpah, the rulers of the Philistines came back, came up to attack them. And when the Israelites heard of it, they were afraid because of the Philistines. And they said to Samuel, Do not stop crying out to the Lord for our do not stop crying out to the Lord our God for us, that he may rescue us from the hand of the Philistines. And then, then Samuel took a suckling lamb and sacrificed it as a whole burnt offering to the Lord. And he cried out to the Lord on Israel's behalf and the Lord answered them. And so the people of Israel, they're crying out to the Lord and Samuel's he's offering up a sacrifice to the Lord and God intervenes. Verse 10, it says, and while Samuel was sacrificing the burnt offering, the Philistines drew near to engage Israel in battle. But that day, the Lord thundered with a loud thunder against the Philistines, and it threw them into such a panic that they were routed before the Israelites. And the men of Israel rushed out of Mizpah and pursued the Philistines, slaughtering them along the way to the point below Bethkar. Now, if anybody says that the Bible is boring, they have not read the Bible, okay? I mean, the, I mean, we're talking a bloody battle here. We're talking about, you know, people being routed. And, you know, we, we, Israel thought, oh, this is it. We're doomed. We're never going to make it. And the Lord intervenes and the tables turn and they're able to slaughter the Philistines. <coughs> now look at verse 12. Then Samuel took a stone 
and he set it up between Mizpah and Shin, and he named it Ebenezer, saying, thus far, the Lord has helped us. Now, this word Ebenezer, I mean, it's a, it's, it's a funny name, right? Um, but the word Ebenezer in the Hebrew, it means stone of help. Okay, Eben means stone, and Ezer means help. And so they would set up this huge stone, and, um, and it would serve really kind of as a historical marker so that when, when people came, <coughs> excuse me, came along, um, you know, they would see this, this, this either stack of stones or this big stone, and uh, they would say, you know, a kid would say, uh, you know, daddy, daddy, what, what, what happened here? And, uh, and then the dad, because of this oral history that the Jewish people had, would say, oh, well, this is the spot where God intervened and he routed the Philistines, or this is the spot where God parted the waters of the Red Sea and saved our ancestors. It's kind of like our historical markers. Uh, when I was a kid, we, uh, we would go up to Wichita Falls to see my great-grandparents every third Saturday of the month. And we stopped <coughs> along every historical marker between Weatherford and uh, Wichita Falls. And, uh, and, and hence my, you know, my, 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 uh, I love my love for history. But, um, but we would stop and we would read these historical markers and my dad or my grandfather would, would share with me what happened there. And I thought, man, my, my, my grandfather and my dad, they love history. And they're giving that to me. And looking back on it, I realized that they were just merely rest, restroom breaks. Um, <laughs> So I've stopped at the restroom at every historical marker between Weatherford and Wichita Falls, but I read the sign. Um, but, uh, <clears throat> but they would use these as historical markers and to remind people who God is and, and what God had done on their behalf. And so Samuel, he wanted people to remember not just for a week, not just for a month, but he wanted them to remember for years, for decades, for generations, how God came to the rescue of his people when they humbled themselves before him. Now, <coughs> excuse me, they were vulnerable and their enemies were approaching and they did not deserve God's rescue. Okay, they, they had abandoned God. And so don't think, for one minute that they performed their way into God's good graces. And I know that's what we do sometimes. That's what I do. That's what I think. That I think I got to perform my way back into God's good graces. That I, you know, we, we got to turn our lives around. We got to stop doing this and start doing that. We got to stop cussing and start going to church. And, you know, we cut all these deals with God. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> but the people of Israel they've been chronically unfaithful to God. And yet, through God's grace and his mercy and his love, he intervened on their behalf. And Israel's armies, or Israel's enemies, they were placed in confusion because of this loud thunder and they were made vulnerable. Now, of course, this would not be the end of Israel's story. I mean, there would be many more dangers and, and toils and snares that would come. But Samuel was raising the stone of help. And it was in no way a declaration of the final victory because the final victory would come a thousand years later when Jesus would be hoisted upon a cross, nailed to a cross on another rock known as Calvary. And so once again, we see in this beautiful story of the Bible that this stone of Ebenezer, my stone of help, points us 
to the rock of Calvary that is our ultimate stone of help. Now the band's gonna come and, and, and we're, going to, um, we're gonna raise our own Ebenezer's. And so at, at, there's four tables around the room with rocks and with markers. And uh, as, the band, as the band begins to play and as I, after I pray, I want you to go to one of these tables and grab a rock and write down who God has been for you this past year. Think about who God has been for you. Has he been faithful? Has he been provider? Has he been strength? I mean, what has he been? As you think back, <coughs> as you think back through this past year, who has God been for you? What is that one name, that one characteristic? Or, or maybe it's you're, you're <coughs> going through a different season and, and you're gonna write down who you need God to be for you as you go through this next season. And that way you would use these, these Ebenezer stones to remind you of who God is and what he's done for you. And that you would keep them in a place, maybe it's in your car or on your, or on your vanity or beside your bed or on your desk at your office and maybe on the kitchen table to use it as a reminder of who God is and what he's been for you. Maybe, maybe you collect as a family, you collect all your stones together and you just make that your centerpiece for Thanksgiving. Instead of the, the flower arrangement, you're putting rocks and your people are like, your family members, hey, what's, <coughs> what's the deal with the rocks? And you're like, oh, that's our Ebenezer stone. They're like, what? <coughs> well, who, who, Ebenezer? Yeah, it's our stone of help. It's who God has been for us this year. You use that as a conversation for Thanksgiving. But in this, in this attitude of gratitude, being thankful, not just for the cross, but being thankful for, for God being consistent and present in our lives, let's continue to reflect on who he is and what he's done. Father.